The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi portfolio managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, happy Saturday, my good friends, indeed. Thank you for spending some time with Jack and I. It's a show about money. Uh, we want you to have a whole lot of it. A uh, little workshop. We learn as we go. And we get better each and every week. All of us. That's you, of course, at home. That matters. Uh, yes, indeed. We want to really take good care of you. Uh, and as such, we uh, dig far and wide to find the finest minds to join us to have great in-depth money talk. A company uh, on Bay Street, uh, well-established, called Coldwell Investment Management. Uh, you, oh, my. you could call them a friendly competitor of ours, but uh, you know, I'm in it uh, for the collective good of all, and I work quite closely with many of our competitors, and we share ideas. And uh, yes, there's no monopoly on great ideas, and as such, I like to uh, generate relationships uh, with fellow uh, successful uh, people on Bay Street, and I partner with great people. That's why Jack's a partner of mine. He's a great guy. Uh, good evening, Jack. How are you, man? Doing great, Wolf. Glad to be here this Saturday night. Indeed. Uh, so Caldwell Investment, uh, founded by a gentleman named Tom Caldwell, a real gentleman uh, and an iconic individual on Bay Street, uh, founded this company. Uh, Jennifer, how uh, young is Caldwell Investments? Uh, so founded in 1980. Founded in 1980, yeah, by, by Tom Caldwell. Well, a very successful man. He continues to uh, run the company with his son, now Brendan Caldwell. I used to uh, go back to back with him on some BNN and CP24 interviews and that's how I met Brendan. Um, but I read a very good article uh, from Caldwell uh, talking about you're, you're, you're the top, the value of advice as you differentiate and try to stand out from the crowd. And in, in a world where everything has become free, uh, the job of Jack and I every now and then is to communicate to clients uh, the importance and the benefit of working with a professional team and not going it yourself. And, you know, as I, I'm speaking right now to a, a roofer who's doing my roof, and of course he stops for a break and he checks the market. And I said, excuse me, why are you checking the market? Do you see me climbing on the roof, repairing, repairing my roof? No, do what you're good at and stay focused on it and, and work with a pro to help you build your portfolio. And I spoke to him about his portfolio and it was in a silver stock, it was in a uranium stock and another uranium stock. Uh, there was an oil stock in there and another silver stock. And I said to him, why don't you buy some commodities? And he said, I thought I had commodities. I said, that's all you have is commodity. Where's your tech? Where's your bank? Where's your cash? Where's your fixed income? Where's your portfolio? Um, and it's a building a portfolio and, 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 and hanging on to clients' hands during turbulent times. Uh, is immensely valuable. Uh, it it could be worth tens of thousands of basis points, but who knows that better than uh, Jennifer Radman? Uh, she's graciously spent some time with us this evening or is going to spend some time with us this evening. She's uh, currently on Wall Street, uh, certainly living in the Manhattan area, but she's with Caldwell Investment. Uh, she is head of investments. She's a senior portfolio manager. Uh, I'm jealous uh, that they have hired you. In fact, uh, one day I'm going to hire someone like you to help Jack and I continue to uh, build our practice. It's just uh, amazing uh, when companies hire smart people like you to help guide their brokers through the uh, process. It's very, very important, Jennifer. So thank you uh, for spending time with us this evening. I hope you're well. Absolutely. 
Uh, Jennifer, uh, why don't we be begin with um, Canada? Uh, Caldwell, uh, of course, has its roots in Bay Street. And, uh, you know, most Canadian firms uh, have a dominant position in the Canadian marketplace. Uh, Canada has been out of favor for seven, eight, nine years, Canadian dollar with it. But the last 12 to 18 months has been a bit of resurgence uh, in the interest uh, in the global investment community towards Canada. Uh, how significant is global interest in our market? Uh, how much interest are you currently noticing in the Canadian marketplace? And I think most importantly is at the margin, if it's very relevant, which it is, uh, that the marginal buyer is a foreign investor. How long do you think this will run for to give us a bit of a, a competitive uh, edge market-wise? So the, the biggest difference we've seen is uh, just from investment advisors. So we run a Canadian equity strategy that's done phenomenally well over the last 10 years. And biggest pushback when we were having conversations about that uh, fund uh, was really nobody wanted to be in Canada. And, and so for the longest time, the U.S. market was outperforming. You had the technology names, you had the healthcare names, uh, and the resources were struggling. And, and so there wasn't really um, anything really attracting people to Canada. Um, and, and that sentiment really changed over the last few months where the Canadian market started to perform better um, and, uh, and technology at the same time started to, um, after hitting really record type earnings um, coming out of this COVID market in the summer of last year started to lag in performance. And so it started to see a lot of investment advisors looking to, to shift those portfolios. And so uh, even with that shift happening, it seems like there's quite a bit of, of runway uh, for that to go just because of the years and years of underperformance of the Canadian market. And so um, we think that's a pretty big driver without having to get uh, even international uh, investors uh, interested in the Canadian market. Uh, if you're just tuning in, of course, it's Hi-Fi Radio, Jack Hartle, Wolfgang Klein, uh, each and every Saturday night on Global News 640 in Toronto. We spend an hour helping you have more money. Of course, if you have any questions for us, you can always uh, find us at WolfgangKlein.com. Dot com or the wolf on paystreet.com. Uh, Jennifer Radman, she's a certified financial analyst. She's head of investments and a senior portfolio manager at Caldwell Investment Management. Uh, you have a North American fund that was formerly the Caldwell Balanced Fund. Uh, the way I like to manage money, uh, Jennifer, primarily to Canadian investors is to take a North American viewpoint. So if you're in a commodity cycle, I'll buy Canadian commodity stocks. And if we're in a tech cycle, I'll buy U.S. tech stocks. If I want some in, in, some healthcare stocks, I'll buy U.S. If I want some uh, REITs, I'll buy Canada. So it's, it's funny, I pick sectors and I find which country is, is more favorable or easier to uh, invest in, and, I, and, and away I go. So I, I tend not to buy Canadian techs because I find that they're overpriced because of a scarcity premium that tech gets here in Canada. Uh, and so many portfolio managers need to be there, i.e. Shopify, too expensive for my blood. Um, you know, we, all of that said, the way we sit today, Jennifer, how are you positioning your North American fund uh, from a Canada-US point of view? So I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve with the strategy. And so on the Canadian equity side, we're, we're very much um, nimble and, and quickly adjusting to the changes in the market. And so that's why if you look at our positioning across different um, sectors and the split between cyclical defensives um, has really shifted uh, pretty dramatically. On our North American equity strategy, we call it more of a core portfolio 
um, the Canadian equity being more of a satellite or something very complementary to what um, investors use is maybe their core Canadian equity. Um, and so for that reason, we haven't done a, a lot of uh, change within the last 12 months in that portfolio. We're really looking for these companies that over the next three or five years are just very high quality company. And, um, you know, we like to say if the whole investment team gets hit by a bus, that we'd be very happy owning these types of companies for a three to five year period. And so um, that means owning things like um, technology, um, some things in the healthcare space. Um, we do have a little bit of energy exposure, um, but really a, a very diversified uh, portfolio in different types of business lines. Um, and, and so that's really the strategy there. Well, what are your top uh, top three holdings in that fund? Um, yeah, so right now we, we see some pretty good opportunities on the U.S. defense side. So something like an L3 Harris um, and the whole defense group really has underperformed pretty significantly just with the change um, in the U.S. government to shift to Democratic and the thinking that, you know, they're just not going to spend a lot of uh uh, budget dollars on, on defense. Um, the interesting thing about L3 Harris is they do have a lot of um, sort of self-help levers um, that we like. So the, uh, off the back of an acquisition a couple of years ago, still a lot of um, upside there. Uh, but the whole space is, has been really depressed, so we really like that. Um, something like a, a Visa uh, is a, another interesting stock that it really has elements of a COVID recovery story in it. Uh, they make a lot of money on the international travel piece. Um, it really hasn't uh, kind of traded well um, this year. And, and so we think there's uh, some good upside um, in that story. Uh, in Canada, we really like Tricon Residential. Um, very, very strong uh, in markets um, on, on the U.S. housing side. They're located in the U.S. Um, Sunbelt, and, and so a lot of uh, positive demographics. Uh, they just signed a, a, a big deal, uh, gaining third-party capital, and so just a very nice justification of of the uh, strategy that they're running. And, and the stock's really been uh, it, it capped in this trading range for years and years and years, in, despite improving fundamentals. And so uh, it finally broke through that trading range. We think there's a lot of upside there, um, and, and this thing's just getting started. Um, so th those would be some of our, our larger holdings in that fund. Well, let's continue. I'm enjoying this, uh, the way we're going. Uh, give, give me a couple more names that you guys are quite confident in, or, or, you have a big, or that you have a big position in within the fund. Hence, you must be confident in the idea. Um, yeah, so let's see. What else are our larger weightings? Um, an element fleet. Um, you know, the, there's hmm. a bit of a... a restructuring story going on there where the companies now um so, so the way most restructuring stories work is one you have your first phase which is fixing the business they've done a phenomenal job doing that and then now you're uh, moving over to the growth phase and so um the they, they sort of outlined that growth plan about a year ago um we kind of got into this covid market uh, that's delayed that a little bit but um, still a lot of, again, to, to the point of those self-help levers where we, we feel there's a lot of uh, growth opportunity um, in the name there. Um, let's see, United Health. Uh, that's just a, a very strong um, company that we think you can own for, for years and years, um, providing kind of commercial uh, health insurance and um in the U.S. and have all sorts of uh, they, they've done a good job of vertically integrating um, the the ecosystem and, and really 
um, growing value um, uh, through that strategy and in, in very strong executors. Um, and, and so similar to, um, you know, that whole space has also uh, underperformed, similar narrative to the, the U.S. defense names. Um, and so we, we do feel there's a, a catch-up trade there. Um, and if you look at just the valuation multiples on that group, uh, still pretty uh, discounted relative to the rest of the market. We speak with Jennifer Radman, uh, call into Wall Street to find out what uh, she's up to. She's a head of investments and a senior portfolio manager at Callwell. Yeah, we're drilling into some stock names. It's a lot of fun. And I, I got a great quote this morning from Peter Lynch. Uh, and it is, if you don't understand or know the companies you're investing in, that is akin to playing poker without looking at your cards. It's Hi-Fi Radio, Global News 640 in Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Lead Portfolio Manager at the Wolf on Bay Street. Jack Hartle, my wingman, key strategist, uh, Portfolio Manager as well. And Jennifer Radman, uh, spending some time with us. We're going to take a quick break and get right back to some money talk here on Global News 640. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Pick me up Saturday night, my good friends. Jennifer Radman, uh, head of investments and senior portfolio manager, Caldwell Investment Management, uh, spending some time with us. She's a market strategist, shall I say, lead portfolio manager. Uh, she knows her stuff. Uh, it's a delight to spend some time with her. Of course, she's in uh, New York, land of the free. So I gave you some freedom there. You know, I, I grew into George Michaels. I really, really did. Uh, at first, we came out. I wasn't into him, but uh, over time, yeah. Uh, you are able to change. And, you know, change is so important. Markets change. Things change. Uh, it's been an incredible bull market. Uh, again, I saw a great piece from one of uh, our competitors, but friendly competitor, Fidelity, uh, looking at valuation, uh, Jennifer, of the markets. Uh, getting quite mathematical and complex, but that's okay. That's what they do, and they do it well. And they're just basically looking at cash flow, discounting the cash flow, uh, throwing some additional variables into the equation like inflation, interest rates, growth rates, and, and trying to value markets and, and, and quite sophisticately uh, to see you know where are we at in the cycle. And the conclusion was uh, the bull market is, is alive and well. It'll probably run for another five to seven years. And the most expensive asset class are not stocks, rather they are bonds um, and there's no bubble per se in the stock market however yes against many metrics it's stretched and it could be argued that it's stretched by 50 percent so the goalpost uh jennifer seems quite wide uh in that you know the market's trading at a 25 pe multiple you normalize it at 15 factor in the growth rate the, the, the market could take a 50 percent haircut uh and i always warn clients friends <laughs> family markets you know, in the short term can be very volatile. And yes, prepare yourself for the worst. And if you do that, you're going to get through it and succeed time and time again. 
And again, this goes back to, Jennifer, the article that your company wrote about the importance of advice. And I can't tell you, Jennifer, how many sophisticated, super high net worth clients I have who during a crisis call me and say, should we get out? And you know, often based on the narrative that we have seen, which has been correct, that we're in a longstanding bull market that may go to the end of this decade, the answer is no, you should not get out. You should send us more money and buy when things are on sale. Um, had that those clients exited, it would have been several times in Jackson smiling because he knows exactly who I'm referring to. Uh, it's my contrarian indicator client. But he always calls us when, 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 when the news is bad and the market already is down anywhere from 5 to 15%. Uh, only about to turn the corner, you know, with, within minutes or hours and stage new highs. Uh, so with that backdrop, Jennifer, uh, we got into a bit of stock talk and we maybe conclude the interview with a bit more of your favorite stock ideas. But let's start with some market talk first. Um, how do you feel about the valuations of stocks versus bonds uh, and where we are in the economic cycle? Uh, I'm going to ask you the retail question. Is this a good time to invest in the market? Uh, so uh, yes, there, there's a lot there. Um, you know, p part of uh, in investing in, in why you use a professional is just to understand why you're investing. So to the point of you're a roofer and he has five stocks in their portfolio and they all have the same drivers and there's absolutely zero diversification there. Um, anybody in the investment industry has had that person come to him and, and say, hey, have you heard of this company or this stock? Um, I hear it's a really good buy. And my question to them is always, well, what do they do? And often they have no idea. And then the second question, which re they really don't know is, you know, are, are they profitable? Um, and, and so that's where professional advice comes in, not only from understanding um, whether you're picking stocks and advisor by yourself um, or using third party managers um, such as, as uh, myself and our, our team here at Colwell. Um, it's really understanding the strategy and what the purpose of that investment is. Um, and then pair to that where the advice comes in is really understanding the cash uh, needs uh, for, for those investments and what you're ultimately looking to do. So, um, you know, a number of, of things that are, are pretty scary, um, you know, there, there's nothing like a 10-year bull market to switch people's risk tolerances. And so we see hmm. people, you know, they, they were very conservative and now they've seen, you know, people make boatloads of money in the market and now they want to get more aggressive. Uh, probably not the right time to do that. Uh, if you have been aggressive and, you know, you, you need that money for either uh, paying for school or paying for a house or something, uh, might make sense to, to take some off the table. Um, if you don't need it for the next decade, then there's really no reason to do um, anything with it. Just stick to your strategy. But, um, you know, that, that's very hard to do um, as a, an individual uh, without having uh, somebody to to really bounce that idea off of and, and be that um, kind of a, a gut check um, when emotions come into play. Because if you are investing in the stock market, no question, um, there will be uh, emotions coming into play. And, and so um, that is, is really the value that we see of the investment advisor is um, providing that that emotional gut check. Yeah, no sage, sound, uh, logical, experienced uh, guidance and advice are, are worth more than their weight in gold, probably worth their weight in uh, Bitcoin, which, by the way, is down some 50%. Take that for what it's worth. Um, Jennifer, what keeps you up at night? 
Um, so, you know, there was a great um, sort of book that talked about uh, how quickly um, economies can change and businesses can change within that <laughs> and, then, you know, stocks and, and sentiment. And so uh, we're, we're seeing sentiment moves pretty quickly in, in the market. Um, and, and so it, it would just be, you know, pairing um, you know, we, we do our research on companies, but that doesn't always make sense. And one of the biggest things we're hearing uh, when working with investment advisors across the country and the conversations they're having with their own clients is, you know, what's up with this disconnect with uh, markets making new highs, stocks doing incredibly well, and what's going on on, on Main Street because things are just still so um, broken to some degree. And you talk about the supply chains and not being able to go out and buy basic things that uh, you would have uh, pre-COVID and people not being able or businesses not being able to hire people um, in, in this lack of uh, or shortage of labor. And um, so there, there are all these problems that the, the market's making new highs. And so within that context, you're, you always um, have kind of this uh, potential for the, these big drawdowns, and we've seen a number of them. So, so the fourth quarter of 2018 was a, a pretty big uh, spike down, and then a, a, a equally kind of aggressive spike up. So you had that V shape. Uh, you had the V shape early in 2020 with the COVID uh, market, and, and so um, you know, it is but but again, that's where uh, investment advisors come in. So as long as you, you know what you're investing for, you have the plan. Um, those, those shouldn't be a problem. Um, so, so, um, yeah, it's really, you know, the, the, the biggest fear is that people, um, kind of don't, don't have the right game plan and, um, get, get caught in those and end up doing, uh, more damage to themselves than they would if, uh, you know, they had a broader team around them. Yeah, no, massive, massive uh, value uh, statement you're making there. Uh, and again, uh, you know, Jack and I now have 20 years of experience under our belt, and boy, did that time fly. But uh, again, uh, Jack, you, first of all, from an economic point of view, uh, that that little piece you sent me uh, about the uh, current recession, why don't you share that with Jennifer and then parlay, parlay that into a, a Q&A with her? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I just came across the, uh, the article today, and it stated that, um, I don't know what economic... Um, uh, economic team came up with this, but basically the uh, the recession ended in April of 2020. So I sent that along to Wolfgang. It's, it's always funny to get these. No, but sorry, know, sorry, Jack. It began. It began in March, ended in April. Is that, I think that's right. what's the funny. Right. It began in March, ended in April. But the fact is, if you wait for the news to be good, if you wait for things to be improving, so uh, the recession ended in April, and the market is up probably 100 percent since then. And, you know, back in the crisis, back in, you know, the liquidity crisis of March 2020, I had a number of clients and a few of them exited the market, um, not based on our advice, based on the, the fear of the market and maybe a misalignment of uh, how their position versus, you know, what their um, you know, their true risk tolerance was. Because like you said, a 10-year bull market, you know, gives people a lot of confidence. But the, the fact was that they, they really bailed at the wrong time. And if you wait for things to be good, and that's what they said, I'm going to leave the market now and wait for things to be better before I enter the market again, you can see that the S&P 500 is up 100% since then. So maybe you could speak to that in terms of, you know, investor behavior. And, you know, you do have to have a, an element of risk and uncertainty if you are uh, expecting to get outsized returns in equity markets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and this goes into the past question, you know, the the, the things that keep you up at night, and, and it's really knowing what's priced into a given stock. And so, um, unlike, 
you know, if you go put on a bet with your, your sports team, um, you at least know what the spread is. And, and so you know what the over-under is. With stocks, it's not like that at all. You have to kind of take some type of a guess at what's priced in. Um, and, and, you know, to the point of markets being so forward-looking, uh, if we look at our Canadian equity strategy, which, again, is very active in pivoting to where the market's uh, going, we started increasing that exposure to cyclical names uh, in the summer, in June of 2020. And, and so you think back at that time, like that was, um, I don't want to say crazy, but nobody was talking about that narrative at the same time. There was still a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we didn't know how governments were going to respond. We didn't know uh, any type of a timeline on a vaccine or whether one was even um, viable. And yet the market was rotating into these um, stocks that were recovering at the same time, um, whereas, you know, the intuitive thing would be, like, hey, all these technology stocks are going to do great in this environment. By the time those second quarter earnings rolled around, um, hmm. they, they were reporting record results, um, huge beats versus estimates. And yet uh, the stocks didn't go higher and actually started rolling over. And so it's just yeah. it shows how how forward looking the market is. And how tough it is, you know, to, to just put on, um, buy a stock on, on kind of common sense uh, type of investing. And so, you know, fast forward to where we are today, there's a lot of stimulus dollars in the market. Uh, you, you have a, a lot of the developed world uh, vaccinated. Um, and, and so another question is, okay, what's priced in? Um, and just over the last month, it feels like there there maybe is, you know, given the underlying rotation um, with, with what's working in the market, um, maybe the market's, you know, just trying to figure out that um, uh, that positioning going forward. And we really won't know the, the narrative um, until we, we kind of get a, a few months uh, past um, th- th- this time. So, yeah, mar- markets are just very, very forward-looking, and sometimes it's hard to know exactly what they're pricing in. But again, Jennifer and Jack, Jack, you say this line frequently, and it's great, and you are the hockey guy on the team, but uh, you-, you have to be Wayne Gretzky, uh, right, Jack? And what was Wayne Gretzky's line? Well, he's always looking to where the puck's going to be going, not where it's been. Right. You have to look to where is the puck going to go, and that's where you want to be now. And that's a difficult thing to do because you have to often be earlier uh, earlier uh, to the event to get a good seat and, and get a good risk-reward ratio. Uh, and that's the name of the game. Uh, I'd love to chat with you more, Jennifer, but we have to uh, pivot uh, over to, uh, again, another friendly competitor, uh, Marc-Andre Godreau. Uh, he's with Dynamic uh, Funds. Uh, he's with the credit team. So we're going to talk about uh, debt and bonds and uh, go from there. Jennifer, I want to wish you a wonderful Saturday night. Uh, enjoy your beautiful city. Uh, you're well vaccinated, uh, well unlocked. Uh, continue to be safe and uh, enjoy your evening. I want to thank you very kindly for spending some time with us. It was fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Uh, friends, we're going to take a quick break and get right back to the show about money. It's called Hi-Fi Radio on Global News 640 in Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
Or put it on the Ritz, eh? Indeed. It is Hi-Fi Radio. That's a little jazz fidelity. Um, Moulin Rouge style uh, for our next guest. Uh, live from Montreal, my good friends, it is Monsieur Marc-André Gaudreau with Dynamic Mutual Funds. Uh, Marc-André, uh, bonsoir, mon ami. Ça va? Ça va très bien. Uh, nice to, uh, you know, very glad to be on the show here. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mark. I appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, so you are with Dynamic, Dynamic Mutual Funds, and you're the head of the credit team, which means you are responsible for managing about $5 billion in bonds, uh, credit-related assets, uh, both investment-grade corporate debt, some preferred shares, high yield, aka junk bonds, uh, floating rate notes, credit absolute return strategies. Uh, friends listening to the show right now, uh, again, in building a portfolio, uh, the stock um, portion of a portfolio is, is one area of discussion, which we just had with our last guest. The more complicated and an equally important part of a portfolio is the part that we're going to talk about right now with Mark, and that's the debt side of things. Uh, building a, a really good debt portfolio is complicated, and I'm the first to admit I couldn't do it myself uh, here on Bay Street. Uh, I would always lean to a team like Mark's uh, who can focus on the global uh, availability of uh, fixed income and uh, build a proper portfolio. So, Mark, thank you very much for spending time with us. And again, I got a bit of noise in the background. I apologize. Um, you, I have to say, every time I bring a bond manager on, you have a very difficult job, uh, almost as difficult as the roofers who are right now reshingling my roof. Um, building a bond portfolio in a zero interest rate environment, central bank pedal to the metal printing of money. Uh, how do you do it? And where are the opportunities? Or is this a matter of, hey, this portion of our assets, all we're going to do is focus on preservation of wealth until rates get back into more normalized fashion and we can start making five and seven points again on a fixed income. But between now and then, it's just basically bury your head in the sand and hang on for a dear life or not. Share with us what you're doing and how you're going about it, Mark. Yeah, I mean, as, as, as you mentioned, uh, you, you always need to tell a little bit about off offense with defense when, when it's time to investing. And, and the, the fixed income part um, has basically uh, played more the defense side, which provided investors with two uh, main um, investment benefits, I would say, uh, to a kind of a, a diversified portfolio. Uh, the first one is to provide a reasonable level of, of income. And the second benefit of, of fixed income is basically a, a portfolio insurance uh, when there's uh, economic catastrophe, which, which basically is what we got uh, a little over a year ago where, you know, your, your equity portfolio goes down significantly because of the recession and your, your fixed income side, in addition to providing you the income part, uh, basically provides you with capital gain to offset part of the losses on the um, uh, on the equity side, so that has been the main benefit of the fixed income over the past decades. And and when we look at the facts today, as you pointed out, with central bankers, government uh, bringing down rates to basically zero, uh, and and even worse than that in in, in Europe, 
uh, and in Japan negative. So the, the income component is actually no longer available or, or, or very slim. Uh, and also the capital gain potential, um, given the starting point, is, is a lot lower. So, so when you look at investors, you basically need to either um, adjust your return expectations for the facts today, as you pointed out. I mean, it's more capital preservation. Uh, or look at um, diversification a bit more uh, in, in fixed income. So, so those are the two options for investors. Uh, you know, we manage a, a lot of capital as well for pension plans. And when you look at those uh, you know, large pension plans over the past couple of decades, they've basically reduced both the equity <laughs> And the fixed income and basically went uh, to what we would call um, alternative uh, investments or strategies. So basically trying to capture or, uh, you know, a little bit more income, but a bit less correlation with, uh, you know, the, the equity market. So that has been uh, another area that investors could look at. So, Mark, uh, Mark Andre, I have to ask then when it comes to alternatives, uh, are you able to incorporate alternative fixed incomes uh, into your portfolio and give us some examples if that is the case. Well, we do have um, alternative fixed income solutions available to both uh, our institutional clients and our retail clients. And basically, the goal here is to um, try to meet client needs, uh, which is basically earn a, a reasonable level of return um, and, and also have low correlation to Kind of your your traditional uh, two asset classes. So so we do uh, have um, uh, launch uh, over seven or eight years ago um, one alternative strategy uh, which we call credit absolute return that basically provides investors with mid single digit return uh, without uh, the correlation uh, to traditional fixed income. So so whether central bankers uh, you know bring down rates or, or increase rates. Um, it basically has really no impact on, you know, the return profile of the strategy. So this is, again, uh, you know, a solution that allows my team um, the flexibility of credit selection uh, without worrying about the interest rate duration uh, to it. And we do all this uh, while remaining uh, with a very high uh, credit quality of investment grade, so not taking on uh, default risk. So, so we do have strategies. Uh, available to uh, the client to uh, look for diversification. And there are other strategies, obviously, uh, available to investors on both the, the public and, and private side. Right. We're speaking with uh, Marc-André Gaudreau. He's with the Dynamic Funds. Uh, he he's a bond manager, uh, managing over $5 billion. Uh, when you're that big, they call you Monsieur. Uh, Sci-Fi Radio, Global News, 640 in Toronto. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Uh, Going to spend some more time with uh, Marc-André, uh, learn more about the credit markets. I want to talk to him about preferred shares. I want to talk to him about high-yield bonds uh, and maybe some leverage loans and float floating rate paper. Complicated stuff, but it perhaps fits well into your portfolio to reduce risk and generate some income for you. We're all getting older. Income does matter. Stay tuned. More show right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yep, when we play that, we usually take a quick drive to Montreal, either to speak to our own strategist, uh, Mr. Mark Reberge, uh, or today we're speaking to Marc-André Gaudreau. He's with Dynamic Funds. Uh, he manages a, a $5 billion, $5 billion uh, worth of credit. Um, when you buy credit instruments, you want some safety, and safety dance plus Montreal, it's all fitting together. It's a big torpery of money talk here on the show, of course. Uh, if you have any questions, by the way, any interest in uh, speaking further with Jack and I to see if we can perhaps help you build wealth, as we have for our 300 families uh, who have worked with us. And I'm very proud to say we don't have a single client who has lost money with us. Uh, those who have taken our advice and stuck with us. Uh, they're all winners. Of course, you have to uh, deal with the volatility. It's real, and it will always come back, but we will get you through it. And part of getting through volatile times and again the, the more nervous you are the more important this discussion is for you because it's about keeping your money safer um, mark i'm going to speak with if you don't mind begin with uh junk bonds um a very simple etf that i own for clients and i've held it for some time uh, and jack's always a little leery of it and warning me of it for good reason um it's the chp uh it's just an iShares uh, high yield US fixed income. And, and I'm buying it basically because it's a bunch of corporate debt that is considered high yield, therefore junk status. That means its credit rating is below double B plus, I believe. Um, but I'm getting paid 4.7%, which beats 1% or less uh, on, on, on a treasury bill of, of a 10 year duration. Uh, but without question, this does have volatility to it. But not that much in that it's trading $18 right now. And during the COVID crises, uh, I don't think it got much below 16. Uh, right now, the annual low on it, the 52-week low is actually 17, which is about a 5% haircut. The stock market can be down 5% in three days. Uh, so again, you can just by basic math see that this is a much more stable instrument. How do you feel currently about high yield bonds? But also when you then talk about preferred shares as an alternative to generate, you know, a three to 5% rate of return with that dividend you got. Yeah, I'm going to start with the, uh, you know, the um, high yield market. I mean, we do manage um, a number of high yield, actively manage high yield solutions. And, and I would say that given where we are right now, uh, from a uh, economic standpoint, as you know, um, we talked about very strong uh, stimulus from both fiscal and monetary. Um, the uh, the asset class is actually quite attractive. Um, maybe not in absolute, but in relative, um, it, it it's quite attractive. A lot more correlated to uh, the uh, economic reopening. So. Um, Companies uh, that were weak uh, defaulted in 2020, uh, and companies who survive are actually thriving right now. So, so from a fundamental standpoint, uh, it is a good time. We expect default rates to uh, basically reach all-time lows. Um, so, so your your income should continue to be there. Uh, from a valuation standpoint, obviously. So, sorry, uh, Mark, do you mind if I want to interrupt you because you made a point again? This is a, a working workshop for Jack and I, too. Uh, you're smarter than, than, than I. I know that you manage more money than I do, and that, that is, is by default means you're smarter than I am. Um, what, what are current uh, default means, uh, friends at home, 
when they use the word default, that means that the uh, borrower, and here we're talking high yield, so the company is unable to make an interest payment. They, they have to pay interest to service that debt every, every six months, usually, maybe semi-annual or quarterly. They fail to make an interest payment. doesn't mean they can't pay back their principal. If they fail to make an interest payment, that's called default. What is the current default rate um, that, that you've seen in the marketplace? The, the long-term average default rate for uh, the high yield market, and that's going back to the, uh, the, the basically the 80s, has been about 4%. So, so when a company defaults, um, as you pointed out, they stop paying your interest. And given that you're a, a senior creditor, uh, you usually have a recovery rate. So you basically wipe, up, wipe out equity holders, so common shares are gone. You liquidate the asset, and your recovery has been, on average, about $0.40 cents on a dollar. So this is the long-term average. Uh, yeah, and sorry, but the, yeah, the, yeah, the current default rate is what? It, it's running right now below 2%, so below the long-term wow. average. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sorry, uh, talk about, can we talk about the preferred share market briefly? And then uh, Jack wants to talk about reaching for yield and throw a few questions at you. The, uh, you know, the preferred share market, it's, as you pointed out, it's very, very similar risk profile to high yield, whereby you have a higher income component. And as you know, uh, dividend income is, is more attractive, I guess, relative to your traditional income from, um, from a, a, a taxation standpoint. So you earn something similar to your high yield. Uh, that being said, uh, when there's a risk off, um, it has a similar drawdown to high yield. In fact, we've seen even higher drawdown because the cost of capital of companies is going up. Uh, so very similar risk profile. Uh, I would say that currently there is something specific to the Canadian preferred share market, which you don't have in the U.S., is that this market is shrinking in size. It's extremely rare that you see that. And the main reason for it is the uh, financials that are issuing a lot of preferreds are now able to raise cheaper capital from traditional fixed income corporate investors and basically optimize their cost of capital. So they're redeeming, taking out preferred shares uh, and then reissuing kind of bond-like securities. So, so that is something very specific to Canadian preferred shares. Uh, so from a supply and demand standpoint, you have this kind of tailwind support uh, for the Canadian preferred share market, which we think is going to last maybe for another year. So, um, so yeah, no, that, that, that's very interesting because the market was being hit with massive amounts of supply. So the exact opposite, a company would issue a preferred share and six months later issue another one and another exactly. one. It was diluted. Yeah, so the exact that was, that was basically in 2015 and 16, right? Yeah. Mr. Marc-Andre, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us this Saturday night. Uh, you know, the credit market uh, is complex as I, as I began the show. Uh, you've shed some additional light on it. I appreciate that. Uh, again, if you're looking for alternatives, my friends, uh, to uh, put money out of the mattress or getting uh, zero return uh, in your high interest savings account, uh, give us a call. Uh, WolfgangKlein.com. 
uh, Jack Hartle and I would be happy to sit down and discuss with you alternative strategies uh, to help you build more wealth. That's what it's all about, helping you build more wealth. It's Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday night. It's a privilege to spend an hour with you. I want to wish you a safe evening. Jack, thank you very much for doing a great job setting the show up this Saturday night. And Mark, uh, my good friend, you go do that safety dance on St. Denise Street. Uh, the city is soon to open, it's beginning to open up, and I wish you a uh, bon now, my friend. All right, thank you. thank you very much. Have a great evening. All the best. My friends, that's it for the show. Uh, you be safe. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.